Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. These days, the law is quite the topic. Abortion law, election law, gun law, environmental law, law enforcement and the abuses thereof, the making of law and the abuses thereof, the rule of law and the threats thereto. All of that is human law. When scripture speaks of the law, it usually means God's law, the commandments, which is the Big Ten, as well as some 600 others recorded in Torah, notably in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Then Jesus comes along, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, and he sums up all of God's law in a single word, love. Now, never one for sentiment, Jesus is talking not about feeling love so much as doing love. To love your neighbor as yourself is to put their well-being on a par with your own. And when we're honest about it, we know that we and human law are pretty lame in following that law of love. Jesus, by contrast, lived it. He was it. God's word, God's law made flesh. The incarnation of God's law of love ensured that, as Claude just read, the law is not distant or difficult. Rather, it abides with us. Now, I'm indulging in a little bit of lecture here because we are about to hear the primo story of God's law of love as told by the one who embodied that law. But because this text, The Good Samaritan, is so well known, it's at risk of having no impact on us, which isn't okay because both the Old and the New Testaments tell of God's ongoing quest to get us and our human laws to follow the law of love. So I'm hoping that by exploring this story through the perspectives of the various characters, we can counteract the dulling effect of overfamiliarity. Okay, so as I read, first notice that there are actually two stories here. There's the beloved parable but there's also the book-ending story of a lawyer confronting Jesus. This is Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, 
you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw the man, the Samaritan was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, the Samaritan took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these, Jesus asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me quickly say that two of my brothers are lawyers and multiple close friends are lawyers and our new member Kennedy is studying to be a lawyer so I have nothing against lawyers. <laughs> the writer of the Gospel of Luke, however, whew, this is just one example of Luke's thing about lawyers. And yet, maybe Luke knows that he's supposed to love even lawyers because he actually gives us the lawyer's perspective, which is something like this. Yes, I was testing this Jesus. As a Torah scholar, I know Jewish law, and I wanted to see what this rabbi knew. When I asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life, I knew the answer. We inherit eternal life through the covenant God made with our ancestors. I know that. So when this Jesus answers my question with his own question, I give him the fullest answer possible. First, from Deuteronomy, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Maybe I got a little carried away adding my own flourish and with all your mind, but I'll bet you that's what Moses meant. Then, for bonus points, from Leviticus, and your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Love for God is all in all and is made visible in how we treat others. <laughs> it's the perfect answer. But this rabbi is not impressed. Right, he says, do that. <sighs> I swear I heard somebody laugh, and so I push back, but just who is my neighbor? It's a reasonable question. Leviticus tells us to love the stranger, but there must be some limit. I mean, I'm not going to love, you know, Samaritans. And as if reading my mind, this Jesus tells one of his stories. And then he questions me again. And again, I give the right answer. 
But if you think I gave him the satisfaction of hearing me say, the Samaritan is good, think again. I left it with the one who showed mercy. I know how to choose my words. Now if I could only stop thinking about his words. Of course, Jesus would have reported the encounter differently, choosing different words. He might have just said, love, God, covenant, neighbor, mercy, do, love, live that way. When Jesus then begins his parable with, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, we're about to meet a collection of other characters, each with their own perspective. Here's the first. To say you're going down from, Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho is not the casual, we're going down the road. No, this is going down from 2,500 feet above sea level to 825 feet below sea level, 18 miles of murder on your knees, down. That much I can tell you. As for the attack, I really don't remember. Either they clubbed my head or I hit it hard when I fell. It's strange, though I can't remember each blow. I do remember the sting of oil and wine poured on each wound. The sting of healing as it first begins. But I must have passed out again because I don't remember how I got to the inn. I have no idea how long I was there. I just remember a face smiling through a door when she sees I'm awake and fussing over my bandages and bringing me food and telling me what happened. Robbed? Well, then, ma'am, I can't pay for all this. Her smile broadens. Her explanation continues. Healing expands. I do not know my benefactor's name, only that he was a Samaritan, someone who, if I had seen him on the streets of Jerusalem, I might have spit on him and then laughed. Someone I was taught, actually taught, not to love. But laid up in bed like that, I came to see God teaching me something new. Oh, yeah, I definitely remember the sting of healing as it first begins. Next, we meet the priest and then the Levite. Now, the differences between these two aren't important to this story. Both positions were inherited within the Israelite tribes. Priests were descended from Moses' brother Aaron. Levites were descended from Jacob's son Levi. And they aren't bad guys. John the Baptist's father was a priest. So the priest or the Levite might have told the story like this. I was late, I was preoccupied, I was wrong. Let's not make excuses. I wasn't bound by ritual purity, prohibited from helping for fear of defiling myself. I mean, purity laws matter, but not as much as protecting the living or honoring the dead. Properly burying the dead is among our highest commandments because it is the rare gift that cannot be repaid by its recipient. We are not to abandon the dead. 
or the living. I confess, your Martin Luther King nailed it when he preached. It's possible these men were afraid. So the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? That pretty much sums it up. Self-interest instead of love. And now I feel like a fraud, a total fraud every time I enter the temple because I know your Dr. King was right that the God of all would have wanted me to ask a better question, not if I help this man, what will happen to me, but if I do not help this man, what will happen to him? Oh God, forgive me. And then the next person down the road is the Samaritan. And here we get Jesus as master storyteller. You see, when Jesus' original audience heard a priest, a Levite, a, they would have instantly added an Israelite. From the Hebrew Bible, that is a shatterproof trio. A priest, a Levite, an Israelite. It's like if I say gold medal, silver medal, you'll automatically add bronze medal. It's automatic. But Jesus says, a priest, a Levite, and then instead of an Israelite, the word every Israelite within shouting distance is expecting. Instead, Jesus says, a Samaritan. We don't feel the shock of this because we've turned this story into shorthand. Use the term Good Samaritan, and most people know what you mean. It's why so many charities are named Good Samaritan. For us, Samaritan equals someone who helps those in need, but not so for the initial hearers of this story. For Jesus' audience, Samaritan meant other. Samaritans and Jews were like Sunni and Shia Muslims, or like 21st century Americans, people who were once related but now dehumanize each other, which makes it easier to ignore God's commandment of love. A Samaritan, then, might tell the story like this. Jerusalem exhausts me. Far from home, full of people who hate me, cheat me, spit on me. Being there makes me want one thing to leave. So there are few roads I love more than that long downward stretch from Jerusalem to Jericho. Kills my knees, but gets me out of there, thanks be to God. Can't get away from Jerusalem fast enough. So I am not loving this delay, this guy in the ditch. You know how you stand, frozen, listening to the competing voices, little angel over here, little devil over here, and you are really hoping the devil wins this one. And it almost happens. The thought occurs to me, this guy wouldn't want help from a Samaritan. Maybe. But I heard that a Jewish rabbi sitting near Jacob's well gave living water to a Samaritan woman. So I have to try to do likewise. 
And then there's one final perspective that we often don't consider. Remember, the Samaritan acts first, but doesn't act alone. Church, we're never left to live out God's law of love alone. The Samaritan finds an innkeeper. My self-righteous old husband called himself the law-abiding. There are 613 commandments, he'd shout. He scoured Torah, pulling out the smallest, oddest things to worry about, wrapping himself tighter and tighter in the most confining, pinching rules, filling himself with fear and animosity, suspicion and guilt, until he died miserable, exhausted by trying to keep so far away from the love of God. So I do things differently. If a Samaritan brings in a Jew and asks my help with healing, I say, hallelujah. Isn't that law abiding? What I mean is that is the law. God's law of love abiding with us as if God's law was somehow walking around among us, talking to us about love, God, covenant, neighbor, mercy, pointing out love and saying, do that, love, do that, love, do likewise, helping us notice it and make more of it. God's law of love abiding with us and saying, live that way. Church, this law isn't far away. By the grace of God, it abides with us. And we are called to obey it, to follow it, and to do whatever we can to align human law with God's law of love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.